Welcome. So glad you guys are here. Um, this is our, uh, our first Christmas together as a ch- new church plant here in Bloomington. I'm excited about that. Uh, things are a little different, right? The kids are in here. And so kids, you're around here. Uh, we're glad you're in here. You get a chance this week to kind of to see what mom and dad do while you're in Redeemer Kids each Sunday. Uh, we got coloring pages and you guys just keep going and enjoy and worship uh, as God leads you to. Uh, we're just glad you're here. Uh, parents and other adults, let me talk to you about this. Like, I understand things are going to be a little noisier this week, right? And there's going to be some more movement around in the room, okay? And, and that's okay. And so how I'm going to relate to that is I'm just going to take that, all the noise, the movement, I'm just going to pretend that that's like amens. Amen, Pastor Chris, right on, Pastor Chris, that's good. Kids are with me, they agree, they're loving the sermon, right? That's how I'm going to treat that. So I just want you to relax um, loosen up the reins a little bit, okay? Don't let go of them, okay? Don't let go of them and just let chaos break out, but, but loosen up a little bit, relax. We're okay with a little bit of noise. Um, it's going to be good. Uh, I'm also going to try to cut this way, way shorter, um, okay? So those of you who know me well, you'll know that will be a true accomplishment. Um, like 20, 20 minutes, that's what we're shooting for here, okay? So it's Christmas time, right? It's an exciting time probably for you guys, I, I hope. Um, growing in just our anticipation of celebrating Christmas. You know, the kids, you guys are all getting excited for, for presents, for opening gifts, um, for, for getting into the, some of the, the new toys and stuff that, that you're going to have this, this Christmas. Parents, we, we get excited to see our kids excited. I don't know if you're like me, but like when Crystal and I are out Christmas shopping for the kids, like I'm just, I get really excited. I get so excited to the point where I'm like, we get the stuff, we're in the car, we're heading home. And I'm just like, I just want to give it to them now. Like, I don't want to wait for Christmas. I don't want to wrap it. I just want to give it to them just because I'm just excited for them to get this stuff and, and enjoy it. Um, but that wouldn't be that as much fun. So Crystal makes me kind of wait um, to do that. Um, so we don't, we don't really just hand it to them. Uh, but, but I get excited, right? It, it's just such a time of anticipation for us at Christmas, right? The anticipation is building for the excitement. But in just a couple more days, it's going to be over. Right? And I think like for a lot of us, if we're honest, really all we're trying to get is we're trying to do our best to make a few memories, to hold on for a few memories for as long as we can, right? To just enjoy that. And, and that's what we're, we're shooting for. But is that all Christmas is really about? Is that what it's about? What it's really about is God entering into our lives. That's what Christmas is really about. Right? It's about God's grace invading our hearts and our lives. You know, Christmas is God's glorious interruption of all of our lives. That's what, it, that's what it's about. That's what we see throughout the Bible and in our text today, uh, Luke chapter 2. Verses 1 through 20. So if you've got your Bibles, it's on page 732 in the ESV Bible in your row. Uh, We'll stand together if you're able, um, and we'll read God's Word. Luke 2, 1 through 20. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, uh, Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. 
And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord." And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for coming and, and interrupting our lives. We thank you for the gift of, of yourself this Christmas. I pray that our hearts would be, be centered on what Christmas is really all about today, what you have for us in your word. Just speak to us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can have a seat. Right? The birth of Jesus is the turning point of history, right? It's, it's the turning point uh, of history. And, and we see that in this text. We see that this first advent, right? This first coming, that's what Advent means. Advent means coming. This first Advent of Jesus is a truly glorious interruption. Luke 2, 1 through 7 gives us the setting uh, of that uh, invading of our lives. It tells us where God bursts in, right? There's a decree. Everyone is to be registered. Everyone needs to go and, and be registered, right? There's a census taking place. Caesar Augustus wants everyone counted up. He wants them accounted for, um, not just so he can have statistics and demographics for his, you know, empire, but so that he can tax people, right? This is, it's all about taxation. He wants to know who's from where and how many of them there are so they can tax them and get their money so they can chip in their share. And, and we get some historical info in this, in this first seven verses that gives us a general idea of when this takes place. We can historically know when the birth of Jesus is within a few years based on the info here. And we see in verse 3 that everyone was to go to their own town to be registered, right? This means that you go back to your hometown, where you were born, where you were raised, not just like where your home is now. So for me, if this happened today, for me, this decree would mean that even though my home is here in Bloomington, this is home for us now, I'd have to load up the family, pack up, and go back to Kansas City, Missouri, because that's where I was born, that's where I grew up. I'd have to be registered there. And the same thing here is happening. So Joseph... He's from the line of David. He's from Bethlehem. That's hometown for him. So he's got to load up his pregnant wife and hen to Bethlehem to be registered, to be counted for in the census. And so they, they head up to Bethlehem, it says, which is interesting because Bethlehem is actually south of Nazareth, right? They're traveling down. We would say down. But in this day, like they talk up and down based on elevation, Right? So even though they're traveling south, they say up to Bethlehem because Bethlehem seated up in a mountain. It's a higher elevation, so they're traveling up. Um, 
And they go to be registered. And, and it says that when uh, they, they get there, right, it, it talks about Mary being mentioned as Joseph's betrothed, which is interesting, right? Betrothed is a word for like this legally binding engagement between a man and a woman who are pledged to be married. And in this day, it's, a, it's a, such a strong engagement that it actually required a divorce to break the engagement, right? And it refers to her as betrothed, which is interesting because we know historically at this point, they're married, right? They've, they've been married, but Luke still refers to Mary as Joseph's betrothed in his gospel account. And we'll keep this, this part PG because the kids are in the room, right? Uh, probably because, as we know, Joseph was not with Mary, um, until after Jesus was born, right? So he refers to her still as betrothed, even though uh, they're married. I want to talk about Mary just for a moment, right? Because I think there's, there's two things that happen kind of wrong with Mary in the history of the church, right? If you come from a Catholic background, right, Catholic churches tend to make too much of Mary, right? Mary is almost deified to the standing of like co-savior. We pray to her. She's almost as much God as Jesus is God, right? Made too much of. But in Protestant churches, we've had this knee-jerk reaction, I think, to make too little of Mary, to not really talk about her at all, to just ignore her. And I think that's, that's also equally wrong. You know, to know about Mary, right, she's likely around the age of 14 here. She's a 14-year-old girl, pregnant, expecting, carrying the Savior of the world in her womb, right? 14, year old, 14 years old. She's like an eighth grade girl, right? So think eighth grade girl, that's Mary, okay? Wow, this, is, this is amazing. She's young. She's a virgin. She's obviously probably faced a lot of ridicule for this situation from folks who don't understand, right? You're not married and you're having a baby. What? Um, and, and, and yet she responds in incredible faith, Right? Her response to the angel who shows up and tells her what's going to happen, right? That the Holy Spirit's going to come over you. You're going to be pregnant. You're going to carry this baby. His name's going to be Jesus, right? Her response is in Luke 1 38 to say, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word, right? She responds with incredible faith. This young, young girl, incredible faith. I don't know about you, but if I'm like an eighth grade girl, and an angel shows up to me and tells me the things that Mary was told. Like, I don't think my response is like, let me serve the Lord. Let it be like that. I'm not responding. Like, I'm freaking out. I'm going like eighth grade girl. Emotional is how I'm going to respond. Um, that's, that's how I'd rule. But Mary is this woman of incredible faith. And here she is, very, very pregnant, right? Having to get ready to load up for this road trip with Joseph on their 0.5 mile an hour, uh, 0.5 horsepower camel, right, um, to head to Bethlehem. That's, that's how she's going. And they get there, and it's time for the baby to be born. But there's no room for them in the end, right? We'll talk about this for a second. You know, there's a lot of, like, misconceptions about what this says, right? We get, like, you know, I want to know who that jerk innkeeper is who would, like, turn out away the pregnant lady and not let her in. Like, this isn't the Holiday Inn. They're not checking into some nice hotel with like these rooms and they're all full. And so somebody's saying, you can't come in here. This is more, think like a hostel, right? This is like an open area where there's just, you know, uh, lots going on, lots of people gathered who've traveled here for this same census and they're uh, gathered up together. And, and there's no suitable place in this big open room with lots of people gathered around for them to have a baby, right? Like 
How many of you would want to have a baby in a room full of people running around like this right now, right? Not real suitable. Not a suitable place. So there's no room for them. So they step outside. They find the stable, which would have been this cave-like structure. There would have been warmer in there, right? There would be some animals around, um, some hay. And, and they go in there, and they have the baby. And they lay the baby in a feeding trough, in a manger, right? Because they didn't bring the bassinet. They didn't have the pack and play with them. So the baby had to be laid in a manger, in a feeding trough. And this is the setting for the birth of Jesus. Right? The, the setting is, is real life. You know, real life is hard, it's ugly, um, it's, it's complicated, it's, it's messy, right? It's messy. It's, it's never perfect. It's oftentimes uncomfortable. It can sometimes be sad, you know. It can also be beautiful. It can take your breath away. It can bring you great joy, right? Real life is this setting where God manifests his glory, he manifests his glory. It, it, it seems as though this man-made governmental decree kind of causes Jesus to be born in Bethlehem, right? That it's all like just circumstance that just leads it to happen. But it's really God. It's God's sovereignty, all right? God controls history. He controls all that's happening. He's guaranteed through Old Testament prophecy that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem in these circumstances, right? From a virgin. And it's God who causes Jesus to be born at just the right time. Not the time that it was perfect. Not the time that felt comfortable. Not the time where everything lined up just right. But at just the perfect time for him to work. Right? The time that he de- determined was right. This is God's sovereignty at work. And this is how God works in our lives, right? At exactly the right time for him. He breaks into life as it is. He doesn't wait for it to be what we think it needs to be. He doesn't wait for things to just line up. Many of us think, like, hey, I need God to show up and work in this big way in my life. And so I need the stars to be aligned. I need the circumstances to all come together. I need to get my stuff together to be ready for that so that then God can work. You know, that's not reality. That's not how God works. He, he steps into the mess of real life. He, he just jumps right in there. You know, I doubt it felt like the right moment for Joseph and Mary for Jesus to be born, right? They're away from home. There's no suitable place for them to have this baby. They're, they're out alone, right? It doesn't seem like the right time. It doesn't seem like things are lined up just right. But that's when it happens, right? Some of you are waiting for God to be active in your lives, but the truth is, is that God is already active in your life. He's active right now. And we miss it because we're looking for some perfect situation for him to work in. That's, that's not what he does. He works in the midst of real life. He gets in the middle of the mess. And that's what happens at the birth of Jesus. It's the turning point of history where God steps into the mess of real life and he reveals his glory. And it's an interruption. Right? It's an interruption. It's an interruption for Joseph and Mary, but it, it's not just an interruption for them. It's an interruption for the entire world. Right, in verses 8 through 15, we kind of see this interruption for this group of shepherds, right, who are out watching their sheep at night. Divine glory interrupts them. You know, we think of shepherds a lot of times at Christmas time. We think of them like, they're probably like a bunch of cool hillbilly kind of guys, right? 
just sitting around with their guitars at night, singing songs, watching their sheep, writing poetry. You know, that's, you're just good old country folk, shepherds. That's kind of what we think of them. But the reality at this time is that most of these shepherds in this region would have been considered like criminals, like crooks, people to not be trusted, right? They were considered dangerous men. They were considered outcasts. They were rebels. They were truly sinners like all of us, right? They were not the kind of people that you'd want to spend some time with, have over for dinner. They weren't the people you wanted to hang out with. They were considered unclean. In fact, if you were a Jew, uh, a Jewish person, you would have had to stay away from them because they were considered unclean. You weren't allowed to interact with them. These are not, not nice, cool, kind, hillbilly folk. Um, these were outcasts, unclean sinners watching over their flocks at night when an angel of the Lord appears to them. And it says the glory of the Lord just shone all around them, right? Like God's glory reveals itself in front of these shepherds and it just envelops them, right? It's just surrounding them and they are filled with fear. They're filled with fear, appropriately so, right? Like I hear these stories sometimes, people like, I had this God experience Right? God came down, he spoke with me, sat with, sat with me on my couch, and we just like kicked back and hung out, right? And it was just nice, and he told me some things. I'm always a little skeptical of that, right? Because you look in the Bible, it's like God shows up, an angel shows up, like first two words out of their mouth are what? Fear not, right? It's like it strikes fear in these men, and rightfully so, right? They're surrounded by the presence of an almighty, holy, righteous God in the presence of this angel. And they are rightfully filled with terror. The angel says, fear not. Fear not. It's not bad news. It's good news. Like, I got good news for you. Good news of great joy for all the people. Right? So the shepherds, they're hanging out. This angel shows up. And these guys, their character, like, if I'm one of them, they probably feel busted. Right? Like, oh, no. Like, what's going down now? They caught us. It's over. We're done. Like, God is going to melt our faces right now. We're busted. That would be like their, my, my, under, my guess of what they would probably react like. But here's what they get from the angel. They get the gospel. They get good news. They don't receive the condemnation that they expect, that they rightly deserve. They get good news of hope, of grace. And here's the good news the angel shares with them. Verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Right? Notice the names and the titles that are given by this angel of Jesus that he shares with the, shepherd, the shepherds. Right? The name Jesus itself means the Lord is salvation. That's what the name Jesus literally means. Right? The Lord is salvation. But with these additional titles and names that the angel gives, he fills out the meaning of that name specifically for this Jesus. Jesus was a very common name at this time in this region of the world, right? But this fills out the specific meaning as it applies to this particular Jesus born to Mary and Joseph this night in Bethlehem. He says that he is Savior, right? Jesus is the Savior of the world. He's born this day to live the life we're meant to live, to die the death that we deserve in our place to save us from our sins, to rescue us. He is Savior. He's called Christ, right? 
It's the Greek equivalent of the Hebrew term Messiah. Both mean the anointed one, the chosen. Right? Jesus is, has been appointed by God the Father to carry out the work of salvation for all of us. And lastly, he calls him Lord, Christ the Lord. And the angel here is explicitly declaring that Jesus is God in the flesh, that this newborn baby is God in the flesh, the Word made flesh for us. And at this proclamation of the good news, this preaching of the gospel, immediately this multitude of angels break out in worship, right? In the presence of these, these shepherds, freaked out, watching their flocks, thousands upon thousands of angels show up for all of a sudden singing praises to God, shouting praises to God. And after the angels leave the shepherds, the shepherds respond as well. Immediately they go to find baby Jesus, right? We got we to see what's going on. This is unreal. We got to go see this. And they find the baby lying in a manger with Joseph and Mary. And they share with them the good news that the angel had shared with them. And Luke tells us that Mary, she treasures these things up in her heart, right? She ponders them in her heart. And that the shepherds then return, responding in worship, right? Glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, right? Mary worships, the shepherds worship, the angels worship. They respond to this coming of Christ, this good news. This first advent, this first coming of Jesus was a glorious interruption for all the world. It's an interruption for all of us. Every year, right? To be reminded every day of this event. And I pray that as we're, we're all so busy trying to enjoy Christmas, that we're out shopping and wrapping gifts and giving gifts and receiving gifts, while we're in the midst of all of that, that the birth of Jesus would interrupt us. It would interrupt us again. I hope that we would think on the significance of Christ's birth. That Jesus humbled himself, right? Took on the nature of a man. God humbled himself and and, and came and was born as a baby. Right? That he lived the perfect life we were meant to live. He died the death on the cross to save us from Satan's sin and de- death in our place. I hope that we would see the overwhelming glory right, of our God who is willing to step into the mess of real life with us and for us. I hope that we would see the grace that's offered us. Right? That though all of us are sinners who deserve condemnation, who deserve judgment, deserve the wrath of God, the birth of Jesus proclaims the good news of the gospel, right? That there is abundant grace for all sinners through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we stand now in this period that's in between the two advents of Christ, right? His first coming and his second coming. Jesus will come again. May we respond in faith, right? placing our full hope and trust in Jesus for our rescue. Don't wait for everything to be perfect in your life. Don't wait for the stars to align and circumstances to come together. You need to respond now. God is working now in the midst of the mess, in the midst of your brokenness. He wants you to respond in faith now. May we trust that Jesus is enough, that he is sufficient to rescue us in the midst of our brokenness in the midst of the mess of real life. And may we respond in worship, right? Just like the angels, like the shepherds, praising and glorifying God for this most precious gift of his son, born to save us from our sins. Let's pray. 
Father God, we, um, we thank you for the gift of your son who was born to, to live the life we meant, were meant to live and die the death that we deserve. We thank you that, Jesus, you came to, to effect salvation for us, to rescue us through your sacrifice on the cross, through your glorious resurrection. I pray that the Holy Spirit would open hearts, um, open our hearts to believe that gospel again and again and again. All of us need it. I pray that those of us who maybe haven't responded initially to that, God, that you would open our hearts to receive you in faith for the first time. For those of us who've been following you for a while, I pray that we would again just repent of our sin and find our full hope in the glory of you, Jesus, not in memories and gift-giving or whatever else we, we fill Christmas up with, Lord, but that you would be the center of it all. You would be the one who we worship. You would be the one who gets our, the glory. Um, we just pray that you would um, just fix our eyes on you this Christmas. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.